Thanks for checking out the Bridge Podcast. It's not a mistake you found us. We pray God speaks to you today. Check us out Sundays at 10.30 a.m. For more information, go to sfbridge.org. It was like every Friday I remember. This was my Friday. This was the Friday that I had remembered coming for years to come. And this day, I woke up, and it was just normal. I woke up next to my wife thinking, everything's going to be great. In fact, she laid next to me in bed. Most beautiful woman I've ever met. Most wonderful creature. And we've been married for years. In fact, I have this entire fortress for her. She loves it. And I tell you what, man, she makes the greatest breakfast ever. Been married, and she woke up, made me breakfast, and we had our morning conversation that we normally do before I went to work. And I was in the politics, and we sat down, and we started talking, and it wasn't quite as normal as I remember. In fact, she seemed to have something bothering her. In fact, something aching at her, and I didn't understand what it was at the time. And so we talked, and I said, Are you okay? And just like every other one, they said, I'm fine. Well, I don't know if she was. And so that morning, I realized what I needed to do. I needed to leave my fortress. I had to go to work. And if you don't know, I was governor over the entire area. In fact, all of Judea was mine. You didn't mess with Judea, or you messed with me. In fact, this was my territory. No one, no one, and I mean no one, will question my authority, or I will send you to King Herod. And I remember this day, because we woke up, it just seemed like every Friday that we had had up to this point, we loved it, it was good, but something was off. Something was not the way it was supposed to be. Or maybe it was. And I remember that morning, walking to my place of work, giving my wife a kiss, and she gave me a kiss, and on the way out, knowing knowing that my life was going to change that day, I got into the city walls and got there into the place where I judge. In fact, as governor over this area, that's what I got to do. And I loved it. I loved it because all the authority was given to me. So I thought. And here I was, this day, this momentous day in all of history that I got to play a part. And I'll never forget when it happened. It was on that Friday. And in walked these guys from the Jewish culture, these high priests and their elders, all dressed in their elegance and their garb, looking like they own my place. They don't. I did. It's mine. And they walked in with a prisoner in hands and shackles. They walked him right up to me, all the way to me, and they brought him right in front of me. And they stood him right there. I don't know who he was. Wasn't very attractive looking. Had long hair. There was a tenderness about him that I couldn't quite tell you about. And he showed up right in front of me, right here. And I wasn't quite sure who he was, but I had a guess. It was my job to keep an eye on the political environment and atmosphere of what was happening in Judea and all throughout. And I wanted to make sure that I was pleasing King Herod. Because, man, when you're a leader, you have to lead well. And I tell you what, everybody loves you until you lead. And in that moment, that very moment, changed my perspective on life. In fact, I looked at this man, 
And I said, what is this man? What do you bring him to me for? And they said, this man claims to be our king. And I said, he's taking over King Herod? What are you talking about? They said, no, he claims to be king of the Jews. And I thought, no way. You see, this had come up before, and and I've already gone through this before. I've just never had a face-to-face with him. In fact, I had already sent him to King Herod. And King Herod looked at this man and said, he's no king. He's just a man. Maybe crazy, but just a man. He's no threat to our economy, to our jurisdiction, to anything. He's no threat to Rome. He's no threat to the empire. And so he sent him back to my jurisdiction. And it came back to me that day. And so here I am, staring in the face of this man that they call Jesus. And I'm looking at him. And these elders, and the high priests, and I'm looking at their faces, and there was something different. There was no joy on their face. But this man had a joy that I had never seen or even realized you could have. But I was governor. I didn't want to tell anybody about that. I'm pilot. No one can know about that. I didn't want to say that. But I was scared. I was threatened by him. Not by the man they called Jesus, but by those that brought him. I was a people pleaser. I wanted the crowd to be pleased. And so here he was in front of me, this man they say to be Jesus. And I had heard, oh, don't get me going on the stories and the rumors that we talked about behind closed doors about what they said about this man. Do you realize that they claimed that this man would actually raise the dead? Do you realize that they claimed that this man could heal? In fact, this man even claimed to forgive people of all the stuff they did. And I thought... He's either true or he is a lunatic or he's a liar. And what they say isn't true. In fact, this man almost became my hero when I heard one of the first things that he ever did was rumored that he changed water to wine. Who does that? That would go very well in my kingdom, mind you. And so I said, what charge is it that you bring this man today? Is it one of the healings he's done? One of the things that's rumored about? And they said, no, the only thing that we're bringing him to you about is that he claims to be our king. But he's not. He's not the king of the Jews. And I thought, what do I do? What do I do with this man? Who for me seemed innocent. King Herod, even my boss, thinks he's innocent. So what do we do politically? How do we get around this? It was the most craziest thing that we had to figure out. In fact, the Jewish people, they wouldn't come in with me where I judge in my courts because they thought they'd be defiled. So I had to go back and forth talking to my guys and then the Jews. And so we went back and forth until we got to this place. And I said, okay, we'll take him as prisoner. And so we took Jesus who they said was friend, and I guess one of their so-called friends even recently, in fact, a day ago, gave him up, but grade his own friend. Are you ready for this? You ready what he thought he was worth? If he's really king, he thought he was only worth 30 pieces of silver. Gave him up for that amount. I wouldn't do that if he was really king of the Jews. That was the claim they made, and so I, as any good dictator, I went to him and I said, Is it true? What they say, are you really king of the Jews? And he didn't say much. I'll tell you what, he was a diplomat. He held his tongue. In fact, he didn't say anything. He had been accused and accused of so much, and yet he stood there and he stood his ground, not saying anything. I think what he was trying to tell me through his words 
Or who do you say I am? Who do you think I am? Now they claimed that this was his claim, basically stating he was God of the Jewish people. And so they wanted him in prison. They wanted to be done with him. They wanted me to take the charge since they were under my authority and my jurisdiction. And up to this point, we did well with unity between the Roman people and the Jewish people. I held leadership well until this day. This day is where it all, depending on how you look at it, either fell apart or came together. And on this very day, when the man they called Jesus came to me, and he said nothing, I came up with what I thought was an ingenious plan. Are you ready for it? Here's what I did. You see, we had another man who was in custody. And this man was disgusting. He was a pathetic form of what we would call a human being. His name doesn't really matter, but it was Barabbas. And Barabbas was in prison. He was a a criminal that we'd seen so many times over and over. And nobody liked him. Everybody hated him. In fact, he had robbed people. He was a thief. He was foaming at the mouth. Just a gross human being that you didn't want anything to do with. That you knew was a sinner. In fact, some even say he maybe even murdered And so I came up with this plan. I thought, you give me Jesus as prisoner, I will take it, but here's what we're going to do. We are going to allow the people to decide, because I am a diplomat and I have it figured out, we're going to have a great democracy, even though this is my kingdom. And so Jesus came, and I brought out Barabbas, chained together to the crowd, and I said to the crowd, to those that were there, that showed up that no longer wanted Jesus. They wanted him killed. And I said, hey, this weekend is Passover weekend, your festival. And I said, this is your festival. And the one thing that we've decided on is that one prisoner gets to go free today. And so my plan was that they would choose Jesus over Barabbas and I was off the hook. Because compared to Barabbas, Jesus was a saint. Maybe even more. And so I brought out Barabbas to the crowd. And I said, who do you want me to release? Do you want the one they call king of the Jews, Jesus? Or this man? Assuming that they would want Jesus. I was so wrong. They started shouting over and over and over. And it started quietly and it got louder. Barabbas! 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 Until everyone was shouting and chanting Barabbas together. As a good politician, I gave the people what they wanted. So I gave them Barabbas. I surrendered control over Barabbas to them. I gave them this person that was going to mess with their families, mess with their lives because they didn't think Jesus would. And here he was, this man on trial in front of me. Right here. What was this man accused of? I thought. He was accused of being king of the Jewish people. And so I gave them Barabbas. And I said, you can take him. He's free. That's what we get to do. It's Passover. It's your festival. But I said, now we've got Jesus. And maybe this was a leadership mistake of mine. Or maybe it was I was meant to be. And this day... I brought Jesus up there and I said, what do we do with him? What do you all want to do with him? What has this man done? 
And they started shouting accusation after accusation. And I can tell you, none of them were true. None of them were real. In fact, these same people that showed up outside of my court to want this man dead, they were the same people shouting his praises less than a week ago. Saying, save us! Save us! And I thought for a moment, if this is your king, he's not doing that great of a job. But yet, there was still something different about him. And so I brought him forth. And I said, here he is. And I asked him, I asked Jesus, just alone, I said, I said, can you tell me what it is? And he didn't share much about who he was or his mission or why he was here. But one of the things he said is that you will know the truth. And I pondered that for a while. And one of your gospel writers named Luke said that what I shared with him in that moment was a great question that I pondered till the day of my death. And that was, what is truth? I didn't realize I was looking truth in the eyes. You see, this one claimed to be the truth and the life and that no one came to the Father except through Him. I didn't understand that. I wasn't Jewish. I didn't know what that meant for me. So I asked the people, I said, what do you want with the man they call Jesus? What do you all want with Him? And it got really loud. I figured that what they would want is a nice, decent death for this man. But no. Do you know what they wanted? Do you know what my people and the Jewish people desired? They wanted the most gruesome death that we have ever done in all of Rome. They started shouting, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him, over and over, cursing him, spitting at each other, wanting this man dead. I've never seen anything like it in my life and I never would again from that day forward. In the middle of the shouts, in the middle of the terror, in the middle of the chaos in my mind and my heart, as a leader, one of my servants came to me. I said, we need to talk to you. And he brought me aside. And he said, Pilate, we need to talk to you. He said, i got to tell you something right now. In fact, I was just talking to your wife and she sent a message for you. It was my wife. I stopped everything. I said, what is it? He said, your wife had a dream last night. And in the dream, she was tortured because of this man named Jesus. And out today, she's been suffering because of him. My heart sank when my servant told me that. And here's why. What I realized is that my wife was having this dream. Was it from God? Was it her own? I didn't know, but here's what I realized. My wife had no idea what I was doing at work in that very moment. And so something was happening. Either somebody was playing the big trick of mankind on me, or something divine was happening that I was a part of. I went back and the crowd still shouting, Crucify Him! Crucify Him! Crucify Him! So I came to the people, and I said, If that's what you want, that is our most gruesome death. We take two planks and we put them together perpendicular and we take the arms out and we nail them to this beam and we do this until that person bleeds out until they're dead on that cross and then we take them to the tomb we did this with multiple criminals but only the worst of the worst and this man in my heart was innocent they kept shouting crucify him crucify him and everything in me didn't want to do it So I made a decision. I had my bowl of ceremonial water. 
And I went to my water and I started washing my hands. And I said to the crowd, I said, silence, listen. This man is no longer on my hands. His blood is on your shoulders. I dried my hands off. I wiped them. And I'll never forget the third chant. First it was Barabbas, then it was crucify him. The third chant was, we will let the blood of this man be on our shoulders and on our children's shoulders and on our children's children's shoulders over and over, basically getting me free. You see, the whole reason I washed my hands was with what they thought was from their book of Deuteronomy where it says... I am not responsible for this death. In fact, they call it a heifer that happens in their Old Testament. But for me, it was a demonstration that this was not my decision. It was theirs. Yes, I still let it happen. And I've lived with that decision. The moments that followed that were as clear as day. In fact, the moments after we decide to give in with this, I want one more chance, one more just mano to mano moment with this man that they call Jesus. And so we stand right next to each other face to face. And I'm looking at this man in the eyes. And, and it wasn't as if he was looking at me in the eyes. It was like he was looking through my eyes. And he said to me, I'll never forget because what I said to him was I said, you realize right now, I have the power to save you. That power is in my hands. I have my judgment seat. This is my court. I'm the governor. And what he said next shook me. He said, you wouldn't have that power if it wasn't given to you from above. And I have to tell you, after that moment, everything I did was try to get him off the hook because this man, I believe, was real. I believe the claim of him being Christ was real. And so what I did is I did what they asked. And I put that scribe, it said, King of the Jews. And even the Jews said, no, we don't want that. You need to say, he thinks he's King of the Jews. And I said, no, I'm leaving it, King of the Jews. And then the most awesome and absurd order that I've ever made in my jurisdiction took place when I said crucify him then the governor's soldiers took Jesus into the praetorium and gathered the whole company of soldiers around him they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him and then twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on his head Then they led him away to crucify him. They came to a place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. There they offered Jesus wine to drink, mixed with gall, but after tasting it, he refused to drink it. When they had crucified him, they divided up his clothes by casting lots, and sitting down, they kept watch over him there. Above his head, they placed the written charge against him. This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Immediately, one of them ran and got a sponge. He filled it with wine vinegar 
put it on a staff and offered it to Jesus to drink. And Jesus cried out again in a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he had said this, he breathed his last. Can we praise him for who he is tonight? You know, the craziest part is, uh, the craziest part is who Pilate was, Pontius Pilate. And if, if you know anything about him, the amazing part is that we know about 75% of what took place, but we don't know what happened in his heart, especially after that Good Friday. And so scholars say three different things took place. One, he either died by, by taking his life or, or by being killed. Or the third option, which is the one I like to hold on to, is that he eventually became a believer. I don't know if you're standing face to face with Christ, how you could not become a believer. And everything that he saw, and just imagine when he went back to his wife. If you've seen Passion of the Christ, um, his wife has a name in there, that's Claudia, but that is actually in the Catholic version, or the Catholic parts of the Bible, and so we don't know his na- her name for sure, it could be Claudia. But imagine the conversations that they had. Just imagine what took place. Imagine, you know, the talking about what that suffering was. We don't know exactly what it was. It says in the book of John that she suffered because of the man named Jesus. We don't know why. But it was obviously that Jesus was a part of it. Pilate, I believe, whether any of those options are true, whether he, you know, was dead or became a believer, I got to believe that God was really trying to get a hold of his heart. You know, in today's day and age, there's, there's a lot of churches that actually, do you know, don't do a Good Friday service. They, and I'm not mad at them. They do Easter services starting Wednesday throughout, and that's great, that's fine. But I think... The greatest thing about a Good Friday is the fact that we get to celebrate Sunday, but without today, we don't have Sunday. Right? And so we want to have that time of a contemplative moment. In other words, just a moment where we we thank Him. We have a, a deep, powerful time where we realize how true the story of Christ is and how He came for you and I so that we could have life. But the only way we get that life, the only way we get the resurrection is He had to die. We don't like talking about death. But that's what He did for you and me. In fact, in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, it says God showed His love for us actually in this way that while you and I were still sinners, He gave Himself for you and I. Okay? Think about that just for a moment. Think about this. Well, we're still sinners. Christ died for you and I. He died for us. I, I love this verse because this wasn't... He didn't wait till we were all good and cleaned up and had it all together. He said, no. So who, on that Good Friday, yes, he died for us. But he died for Pilate. He died for Judas, who betrayed him. He died for the elders and the high priests. He died for the Roman Empire. He died for King Herod. Not just for us, but for all. 
And so tonight, this is what I want to do, man. I just want to pray. For, let's just pray for a moment. I just want to have a moment of, of silence. I know it's we're usually loud and obnoxious at our church, okay? But there's also a time to be quiet and to be still. And so just as Kylie plays for a moment, just allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you just right now. And then we'll close in prayer in just a moment. Just let the Holy Spirit speak to you. What does tonight mean to you in your heart? Just for a moment. but I encourage you before you leave here tonight say yes to a relationship with him but I do think you took a Friday night out to come and to worship him and to hear about him and to experience Jesus together and if that's you I'm guessing most of us in this room have a relationship with him 95% of our community doesn't 95% realize only 5% of our community attends a Bible-believing church. Not saying that to scare us, but here's what I want to say. We have Easter, and if we have that slide, coming up. Today's the beginning. Bring somebody on that journey. Bring them with you this Sunday to one of the services because they need to know. In fact, this morning I received a message from somebody, and uh, they attend our church. They're not here tonight. At least I don't think they are. And she had said, hey, somebody came in um, to their place of work and they started talking and throughout a series of events said, hey, um, I'll come with you on Sunday. And so here comes a new person just walking in. It's not about our church, but any life community. If they won't go to the bridge with you and they'll go somewhere else, go with them because it's about their salvation. That's what matters more than any name or anything. Amen? Let's pray. God, I just thank you for your sweet spirit here tonight. Lord, I just believe that you're filling hearts. I believe that your Holy Spirit is allowing us to have a moment of refreshing that so many of us had needed through this week. God, you know where every person's at in this room. Lord, maybe you're spurring each person on here to take a next step in their faith. Maybe maybe it's a desire to go read the scriptures in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John that talk about your crucifixion and talk about Pilate's life. Maybe it's a desire to be filled with your Holy Spirit. Maybe it's a desire to, to be a witness to those that they've been so afraid to do. Or maybe it's just to receive and to find healing and to find freedom wherever they're at. God, you see it all. You see us all and you love us. While we were still sinners, while we were still doing things that we shouldn't have been doing, you showed up and you showed off on that cross. Lord, I thank you so much that on this day, 1,991 years ago, that you said yes at the age of 33 as fully man and fully God. Lord, you had the conversation in the garden with your Father about asking that cup to pass, yet you chose to follow through your destiny, not for your will, but for God's will. And we're just grateful today because of that. So we worship you because of that. We say thank you, Lord, because of that. 
Lord, who you are demonstrated while you were on earth and beyond. We're grateful for. Not even for what you did, but for who you are. Because if it wasn't for you, who you are, Lord, you would have never done this. And so we're grateful. We thank you. We praise you. And we give you this day. And we give you this weekend, Lord. And and may I just say, God, we're grateful. We're so grateful, Lord. That though there's Jewish people that in that day called Sadducees that didn't believe in your resurrection. Lord, we do. There's hope. This story tonight doesn't end here. But it continues on. And so in between, Lord, may you just deal with our heart. Like an onion, like a layer at a time with whatever you want to deal with. And then have your way in us and through us. Lord, I pray for the hearts of your people throughout this weekend who are here Sunday, who are here tonight, that you prepare our hearts to receive. Lord, whether we're leading worship, preaching a message, whether we're running media, whether we're here to receive, wherever we're at, God, may you meet us where we need to be met. Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah, Emmanuel, God with us, you came for me. You came for us and tonight we give you this evening with unbelievable amounts of gratitude that words cannot define. Our worship is only worthy of you and we thank you. Amen. Can we give him some praise tonight everybody? Come on. We love you Lord. This has been a podcast of The Bridge Church. Have a great week. Stop in Sunday sometime and visit. If you would like to give, you can do so online at sfbridge.org. Have a great week.